All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to a Bizzlecast 73, the official Bizzlecast Rogue One preview. And who better to bring back than the guy that was on the Force Awakens preview with my buddy and co-contributor Gabriel, another new co-contributor, Adam Dietz. Adam, welcome back. I thought I was Blues Leader. <laughs> well, Gabriel's Black Leader, as we established, and, and I'm Red, red leader. leader. Yeah, I want to be Blues Leader. Okay, right. So you're blues leader, like like uh, like uh, buddy guy blues. Is that what we're talking about? I mean, it's kind of like I would say it's or the more, St. Louis uh, blues. I don't know, man. Like deep South, sad mm. white boy mm. blues. I don't know. All man. right. So uh, so um, I, I hope everything's going well with you. If we have time at the end, I'd love to get an update about the band and everything. But we got to jump into this because your time is limited, and I, we both agreed it would be nice to keep this podcast somewhat on the shorter uh, and more efficient side. We do have a lot of topics to cover so uh, let's uh, transition from the blues right now are you having the blues or are you having the 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 happies uh when it comes to your expectations for rogue one which i should just say for the listeners we're recording on tuesday december 6th this is coming out a week from thursday which is the 15th i'm seeing it on opening night and again with my mom that weekend hopefully adam will get to see it maybe we'll get back to that later so where's your where's your expectation level right now for uh rogue one a star wars story it looks like a lot of fun to me which for me that's that's kind of all i want from star wars is fun and entertaining um and expanding that on that a little bit i guess if we're expanding the universe of star wars or the story a little bit is maybe learning something new or something else intriguing that builds upon all the other stories be it um the force awakens Mm -hmm. or star wars rebels yep any other series that's happening maybe there's a part of there's an interesting storyline or a new storyline that can actually give us a little bit more depth to the universe i think that'd be cool Absolutely. And and just really quick, we're going to talk about uh, Rogue One for a couple minutes, and then we're going to dive into the uh, wider Star Wars universe. Um, So just for a a quick chronology about the movie, so they announced the movie before, well, I guess they announced the movie well before uh, Episode 7 came out. They must have announced it, what, late 2014, early 2015? Yeah. I think, and then, uh, you know, we started getting some teaser trailers late last year. The first big trailer was probably, I don't know, in the spring, and we've had two or three trailers. There have been a lot of trailers, um, and uh, I think they've done a good job of not spoiling the big stuff while getting us excited. We'll have to see on that. Yes. Um, so, uh, it, it just really quick, you know, now in the last few months, we've got the toys, we've got the, you know, the, the branded, you know, razors and cars and all this stupid shit related to the movies. I'm sure it's at all the fast food restaurants, not that I would know, um, it, you know, I mean, it really, at this point, the, the, the branding and commercialism and hypermaterialism puts the toy industry to shame. Does it bother you more than like a normal, you know, like leftist or whatever, like among our friends and our cohort that the stuff bothers? Bothers, there's some materialism bothers us in general. Does this bother you more um, because it's Star Wars, or does it actually bother you not more because it's Star Wars? It doesn't bother me because it is what it is, in so much that but if you go back to Jurassic Park, if you go back to Batman, like all these movies get. That's a good call. I always forget that Jurassic Park was kind of the first yeah. in some ways of the modern age. Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, I'm not as upset as you are about it. And, I mean, it sucks. I mean, yeah, I can take a step back and sure. I'm not it upset. It just annoys me. Yeah. Yeah, it's annoying, but I've, I've already made peace with it. And it's, and I think, I mean, 
I think you, you sent me a list of questions, Jesse. I don't mean to go too behind the scenes here for the listeners, but there's a no. List of well, we we like behind the scenes for the listeners. And I think I think I mean, as excited as I am about this movie, and I'm excited. I said why I was excited. Let's yep. not forget that a big part of this is making money. I mean, this is a gold mine that it's sitting on, mm-hmm. and I think that we have to be remiss, or at least be conscious that any of these movies that come out might be absolutely terrible, and the only reason they're making them is to make money. So, you know, I I, I have to disclose that that's part of the thing here and hopefully they're actually good or entertaining or they're fun we like it and we're not totally just being exploited absolutely um yeah so i i guess you know because lucas basically pioneered this sort of shit um although again you know we 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 love the video games which we're going to talk about we're kind of cool with the toys i think overall so games and toys is like one thing you know, I wonder if Lucas even knew, and this is sort of rhetorical, you can answer this or not, I wonder if Lucas, in his own mind, suspected that it might reach ridiculous levels at some, you know, someday. Um, or, uh, I'm sure he realizes that now, obviously, at one point did he realize it. So, yeah, I mean, you just kind of tune it out. Marvel does the same thing with the Avengers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Disney's a whore, you know. They'll, I mean, they'll, I was talking with Matty G about the CW shows, and, you know, Rogue One was playing during every commercial between these DC comic shows uh, that they really could care less disney that is so um all right man cool well i just uh to jump into the wider universe here and then we'll end on rogue one because i think we agree it looks cool um what's the thing um and then we'll jump into the wider universe that has you the most excited maybe like a non-traditional small thing not you know not not darth vader like everyone's pumped about darth vader like what's one little thing that maybe you know not everyone's thought about um that that has you kind of pumped or just kind of curious sure i'd say two things so the first is i want to see x-wings like i love Mm x-wings i love the the fighter pilots and I want to see them blow up shit, and I want to learn if they can teach me more about the X-Wing or learn where that comes from, who developed it, or how they got all these cool ships that are badass and have shields and blow yep. stuff up. Like, I want to know about that. So, If you've played the X-Wing video game from the, in the late 80s, early 90s on the computer, they have actually like early prototypes that are called like Z-90s or something, where you know how when their wings are still together before they lock S-foils? It basically was that, but there was only two wings and lasers as opposed to four, and then they developed the four one. Nerd alert, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm excited about that, and I, I hope and I, I hope that this movie, it, it seems like it gives a chance to expand on who are the people that make up the Rebel Alliance, like who are the fighter pilots, who are the generals, who are the soldiers, who are these people. And if you think about this galactic empire, I mean, it's a lot of fucking planets in the empire. So yep. who who are these people? How many planets are we talking about? And how is it possible that this one galactic empire rules over all of them? Yep. Um, that's one that's one theme I'm interested in. And the second theme is there is a dude, I don't know his name, I'm not that nerded out yet. <laughs> um, but he's kicking major ass. He's an older Asian man, I want to say. And he's kicking major ass of stormtroopers at some point. And I'm curious if he is the same dude in Star Wars Rebels that is a general or a commander. The bearded guy with the big gun, that guy? Um, no, I don't know. No, 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 no. He's the guy who's man. not Donnie Yang. He's, he's, Donnie Yang's the blind, Donnie Yang's the blind. Yeah, that, that dude. So it's not, yeah. so he's not the same guy. No. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, but yeah. Well, he could be. He's just not that old. I mean, they make him look old in the movie. I don't think he's that old in real life. He's like Jet Li. Yeah, but younger. Is it Jet Li? No, no, no. He's oh. like the new Jet Li is what I'm saying. Like, oh, the actor. He's like, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Donnie Yang is like the go-to like Chinese martial artist for both yeah, American okay. and, and Chinese movies. Okay, yeah. so it could be. It could be. I think it's Commander could Sato. Absolutely, could be. So I'm Absolutely I'm curious be. if that if that link is is made. And I'm just I hate to make every Asian be related to the other Asian. I I apologize to for that podcast listeners, but yep. There is a um, Commander Sato is a, a uh, dominating presence in Star Wars Rebels, so I'm curious if it's if it, they're related. Okay. Well, the thing that's most exciting for me, I don't know how many of the podcasts you've listened to, so I did for Bizzlecast chronology. I've done one po- solo podcast completely about Rogue One, and that's when these reshoots were announced like six months ago. And I jump on, jumped on the panic train with everybody else that they were going to like ruin the movie by making it less dark and and pulling back on the violence. We were, we want this to be like the war movie one. You know, people have to die. Um, but then on seeing subsequent trailers and behind the scenes stuff, my fears were allayed. I know there are a lot of people out there who are still skeptical, but that's the internet and that's the nerdverse. They're looking for any excuse to, you know, get, get unnecessarily paranoid or at least lacking enough evidence. But, uh, anyways, so I've mentioned on a lot of podcasts, so this is the first big full one leading up to the movie. But the, and I've said this before, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is actually the absence of something, which is that we know where this movie is going. And I love mm-hmm. that because I always talk about how for movies I love, especially sci-fi, like fantasy genre movies, action movies, the first viewing is almost never the best for me. Like, mm. I, I, I've probably seen Force Awakens five or six times at this point. Maybe I saw it like three in the theater, and I've seen it two or three since. My first viewing of Force Awakens was by far the least good for me because there were so many expectations, and you're trying to pay attention to the plot, and, and you know, and you have this wish list of stuff, and you know, checklist, and it doesn't hit everything, and blah 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 blah. And then you have time to digest it, go back, and be like, oh my god, these character beats are amazing. You know, like it, what's great about Han Solo? Spoiler alert! Oh, this is a spoiler podcast, people. In terms of the Force Awakens, I'm sure you've all seen it based on the two billion dollar number. We won't be spoiling anything about Rogue One. I don't even really have any spoilers about Rogue One, uh, but the killing of Han Solo by his son Kylo Ren is great because of the performance and how it's shot and acted not because not because of the plot twist for me it's not that plot isn't important to me but I'm all about rewatches of my favorite movies and plot is the thing that goes away after the first time right because you know all the secrets so you go back to watch the X-Wings fight the TIE Fighters you know that's what made the original movies so exciting you always knew that the, the Rebel Alliance was going to win this is a nice fl- um, flipping it on its ear right and that we know they're going to lose at least temporarily so I think that's very liberating for a director and for the writers especially I don't know if you agree with this where it's like okay we're going to work the story backwards and make it really interesting because we know where it starts and we know where it ends so we have to come up with some really interesting things in the middle so i think this might actually have more plot twists than force awakens which um i'm gonna throw it to you real quick and then we'll jump into the wider universe i think you and gabriel and i um and then when i talked um with with matt and others after the movie i guess our biggest sort of complaint was that it was so reminiscent structure wise to a new hope right yeah i would i would agree with that i think as much as i enjoyed it it did seem and maybe it was very intentional. It's like it was almost the same story. Oh, it was definitely intentional. Right. I mean, it was so, Lawrence Kasdan writing it, you know? I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, I think with the, I think with the new movie, there's, there's a potential for new stories. But also, yeah, how do we get there? And if you go back to A New Hope, um, I don't know what her name is, the short-haired lady, um, who probably needs to smile a little bit more in her life. But she sounds like she's had a hard life. And maybe we'll see why a little bit more. You know, she said a lot of people died to get these plans to you. 
the the Death Star plans. Oh, Mon Mothma. Yeah, she's yeah, in yeah. the new one. They have a younger, yeah. different actress yeah, who yeah, looks yeah, exactly like exactly. her. I love Mon Mothma. Yeah, creepy. But um, it is creepy. Yeah. So we'll see the people that made the sacrifice and for the Death Star plans. And yeah, I mean, it's in thinking about the military, and I guess I didn't think about this um, explicitly, but you know, people people fight these wars and these battles and you know, there's small little victories. They, they, they devote their lives for these, these things. And I guess it gives, it gives context to, to what they fought for. Um, and, and I, it, it, this is a fictional world, but I think we think about, I think about our soldiers sometimes and what they fight for. Yep. And I don't know that it's all in vain and I'm not trying to go spread democracy around the world, but it's, it's thinking about, when you choose to be in that, when you're actually fighting, like you have to believe in something. You have to believe that you're you're doing this for some type of purpose, or that there is some achievable aim. Yeah, I mean, this. I'm going to make a quick political comparison. I'm nothing too intense here, but you know, one of the things after multiple watchings of Force Awakens and talking about it in numerous podcasts, listening to other podcasts, this was like a year ago now, I guess, uh, right, eight to ten, uh, ten months ago, but um, was that. It was sort. It's sort of sobering when you watch Force Awakens. That remember that big celebration with the Ewoks uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi. Well, they didn't really win anything apparently because the Empire in its new form, right, the First Order, is extremely even more powerful again. Um, in in the Force Awakens, I think part of that is just the. You know, as we said, like with No Hope, they had to re- reboot a lot of the things that were familiar to us to get people reinterested in Star Wars again. So they, you know, it, it, it's everything's an homage. Um, but J.J. Abrams, it, you know, does like to do things his own way, and they put lots of nice twists on it. What I was saying was, you know, at, at the end of Return of the Jedi, you're like, oh my god, they've been through so much. But can you imagine in, in the timeline of Star Wars what Princess Leia in particular had to go through from the end of that uh, Return of the Jedi to the beginning of Force Awakens being a general for like another 30 years, essentially? And now she's still a general, and they're still fighting them and the dark, you know, Lord, the dark Sith is back. Uh, Sith lords are back. Excuse me, me. Han Solo's now dead. There is some hope in the re- return of Luke. And I couldn't help but thinking the other day when I was thinking about this podcast about how, you know, I think a lot of us were sort of lulled to sleep during the Obama administration, just the election of Obama, regardless of what you think about his particular policies, you know, that that could happen. I think, and I can speak just for myself and my close friends and family, we were sort of lulled to sleep a little bit that we had moved more progressive than we really had. And and I was, I was suckered by this as well. And I didn't, I I way underestimated in my own mind and, and, you know, I cop to it in predictions that I made on the podcast and elsewhere that I thought the country was ready to move more progressive. And we see now that that's not the case. That certainly was not intentional. You know, they couldn't even have that foreknowledge if they wanted to. But looking at it now, it is kind of interesting that the new uh, trilogy, the anthology movies, as they they call them, does... I mean, you know, sort of reflect our current reality the same way the original Star Wars reflected Vietnam, post-Vietnam stuff, right? Like, everything's not happy-go-lucky. It's a constant battle. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's that's. I don't have a lot to say to that, except in the Star Wars universe. I mean, in our own, yeah, I'm. I, I don't have anything to say about that. And, yep. Um, but in the Star Wars universe, it kind of does bother me a little bit because of the power of the First Order, to the extent of the First Order. Because I don't. I mean, how was the Empire so successful? Maybe we'll see that in this movie too. I mean, did it revolve around Palpatine or not? And how 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 much influence do Palpatine and Vader have? And maybe they have less than we originally believed. Like in the, I think in the first 
three, I mean the four, five, six movies, right. it almost feels like their power revolves entirely around Palpatine and Darth Vader. Yep. And, you know, maybe it's good that it doesn't. So now it's a little bit more complex than that, which gives us a universe outside of just the Jedi's and the Sith. And yeah. I'm not sure if I like it or I don't like it, but I guess that's what is part of what's about this movie is that there's worlds outside of that. And right. there's a big, much, much bigger empire and much more bigger forces. And yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. And I think one thing that Rebels does well is it introduces characters um, that also wield a lot of power in the empire and in the rebel alliance too. So it's, 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 it's fleshing out that world and those characters a bit more and it gives it, it gives it more breadth, but at the same time as a, you know, OG star Wars fan, I also, I, I get worried that it stretches it out too thin. That's my concern that this world gets spread out too thin. And now it's not believable anymore. It, it changes the story so much that, that it, it 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 threatens the validity of the original movies. That's what worries me. Yeah, although what's interesting, man, and and um, you, Adam and I talked about this off mic uh, beforehand. That <clears throat> I've read I read some Star Wars comic books uh, when I was younger, although they were mostly about like the early days of the Jedi, which took place like thousands of years before the movies. They were really interesting. Um, because uh, I was so interested in, in the notion of the Sith and the Jedi orders and h- how they developed separately but in parallel and so forth, really some cool stuff. Um, and I haven't really read a lot of the books, but I know about some of them. And I have read a little bit of the first uh, big series uh, that was written uh, by Timothy Zahn, um, either in the late 80s or early 90s, when they started the expanded universe. Now, there's a difference between, and this will be a good way to launch into our discussion of just the Star Wars universe, uh, universe uh, is that the expanded universe it, it officially it is everything officially licensed about Star Wars or containing Star Wars, but... Now we also have Star Wars canon, so they're separating which properties, uh, you know, sync up with uh, the the movies, uh, you know, and and which ones are basically glorified fan fiction, right? I mean, in in the sense of being disconnected. Um, but Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy uh, <laughs> explored the notion that the bulk of the uh, Imperial fleet was actually not anywhere near Endor at the end of Return of the Jedi, and they had contingency plans. And not only that, they had some really powerful and charismatic um, generals and admirals who were, if not thrilled, you know, then excited about the opportunities that the death of Vader um, and Palpatine, Palpatine presented. They all resented Vader, as we could see in A New Hope, you know, when he's constantly trying to strangle everyone, and they, they don't believe in his magic, or whatever they call it. Um, so, in the the Thrawn trilogy and some of the other series that followed, my understanding is they actually explored some of these ideas. And so while nothing was taken directly from this in The Force Awakens and sort of moving forward in the anthology, the, the notion of the Empire still being strong and the Alliance not really realizing that post-destruction of uh, Death Star number two, maybe we'll get back to the excessive use of Death Stars, um, has been out in the ether for a while. Um, so, but based on what you were just saying, uh, before I went on that little rant, it seems like you're not necessarily thrilled with, with that decision. Like maybe they should have had another villain for the new trilogy that wasn't the empire spinoff on the empire. 
I mean, I, I appreciate your explanation there because I, I, I don't feel not, I'm just worried about it. Like I'm a little concerned or it doesn't make sense. I think it's your, your question of, wow, like we're all celebrating the Ewoks are celebrating the emperor's dead. And so I, I guess what I, I just need to know more, like how, what is the empire? What did it consist of? And I guess the, even the prequels, I tried to show that, I suppose, with all the Senate and this big galaxy and, and what it consists of. It's just hard for me to understand, you know, how did the emperor wield so much power and then he's dead and then did it all crumble just come or back. did it not crumble? Yeah, and then... Two words. Darth Plagueis, I think, is what's going to happen. That, yeah. That's what the nerds have been speculating. And this isn't a spoiler because I have no confirmation about this. I don't even know that much about Plagueis, but I think from a mythological standpoint, his introduction uh, um, in, in the um, Palpatine storytelling to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, which maybe we'll get back to that movie, A, isn't as bad perhaps as it's been made out to be, and B, kind of needs a, you need to rewatch it, or I would suggest you rewatch it before the new movie because it's chronologically right before it. But the Darth Plagueis mythos really took off, um, both in the official literature and outside of it, following uh, Revenge of the Sith and leading up to the new one, and people think that Snoke is actually Darth Plagueis. Um, are we in super nerd territory here that you don't even want to go to? Because, I mean, this is about as nerdy as I get when it comes to Star Wars. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Do they talk about some of this stuff, like, you know, these other Darths and uh, Rebels and and so forth? A little bit, yeah. and 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 that's where... And I, I, I'm curious about it, and this is where I, I think it can be really awesome, or it could really suck. That's that's it. It, it kind of teeters that line for me, where yeah, how much power does Luke have? How much power does Darth Vader have? And then you know, how special are they, or are they not? Is this just one little snapshot, one little story that's going on? And I think I think with Star Wars Rebels, it seems like Darth Vader has a lot of power, a lot of influence. Okay. But then there's these. Then Darth Maul comes back. Spoiler, sorry for Star Wars Rebels people out there. Well, that, that's a I, good uh, stitching job by the uh, ER doctors. <laughs> yeah. So so Darth Maul comes back. Wait, can I can I just rewind this because I want you to talk for a while and you've been seeing Rebels. So you've seen all of Rebels and there's a new season three, which we just talked about, which they, obviously they're releasing leading up to the movie. Um, you have seen Clone Wars or some of it. I've seen like one or two episodes. Okay, and you didn't love it, but you like Rebels a little bit more. So, yeah. okay, so for the fans out there who haven't who uh, Rebel haven't seen Rebels, including me, um, although I'm DVRing the new season, I do know the premise. Clone Wars was a focus, all right, on the bad guys. Now they're focusing on the Rebels pre um, A New Hope. I'm assuming it's pre Rogue One as well. It sounds like right because there's there's another time right, jump right in there. So can you just give a little, uh, you know, the one or two minute description to the Bizzlecast listeners about what it is, what it's about, and and uh, some of the highlights of it? Absolutely. So Rogue One, I think, is in that timeline. It's right after um, the Clone Wars. And it's after, I think it is, so Darth Vader is Darth Vader. So he's already become Darth Vader at this point in the story. And... The Empire, it's, it's also called the Empire. So the Empire is starting to wield its influence. I've used that word a lot today, wield. The Empire is... Wield is, is a great word, a great fantasy power, and sci-fi word, yeah. The, the Empire is powerful, and it's, it's taking over worlds and asserting its economic and militaristic influence. And some people aren't very happy about that. And Rebels is a collection of folks from different planets, some that we've seen before, some that we haven't, who the Empire fucked over, basically. 
and there's a very central there's two very central characters i would say that connect to four five six and that they're jedis or the one's a jedi that i guess didn't get executed by the clones though he's very upset about that that happened and i'm not sure why he didn't i don't know why he made it out alive but he did so he is a jedi and then they find this young boy named Ezra Bridger, who I'm actually very curious about what his story is going to be. Who sounds Jewish, by the way. Ezra Bridger, doesn't that sound like someone we would have gone to camp with? It's hilarious. It does. It does. He's a nice yeah. boy. He's a nice boy. He's a nice he's Jewish not, boy. He's, he's not not Jewish. You know, He's a nice boy. Yeah. Um, so Ezra Bridger <laughs> uh-huh. is a central character, and he's that classic you know, preteen teen who has who's strong with the Force and who becomes the Padawan to um, the other Jedi is named, uh, oh shit, God, this is really bad, Kanan, who's voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., by the way. And it does a good job. Yeah, he does a good job. It's actually. By the way, quick shout out Star Wars in video games and cartoons has always had great voice actors. Yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. does a good job. Um, and let's, that's just a real quick segue that Mark Hamill is an incredible Joker. I mean, exceptional. Oh, Joker. yes. But anyway, so. Ezra Bridger develops the force. He's very powerful and he gets on the radar of, I think Darth Vader, he's on the radar, radar of Darth Vader. They have like a little bit of a confrontation and then there's these other, like they're called inquisitors and it's not clear if they have like the force. I mean, I guess they kind of have the force, but they do, they can use the force. Maybe they have the Schwartz. (laughs) (laughs) They also, they also have lightsabers and pretty cool ones at that. They're not uh-huh. Sith lords, but they're 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 force wielders, and they kind of kick some ass, and and so all of that's exciting. But then it, it what what concerns me about it is, and this is what I was trying to say earlier. I mean, I thought Luke was so special, you know, like Luke is so special, or is it that he just had that much more potential than you know Ezra Bridger, or does he like? Why is Luke special? Why is Darth Vader special? Are they even that special? Yep. Um, in the context of this Star Wars story. Can I, I just a quick insert here, but I want to, you to continue your narrative just to complicate that further. Because that was something that I, I had heard about uh, the Ezra character <clears throat> was that they were sort of playing with the idea of like what level of power he had or could have. But with Donnie Yang in the new movie, and we know for sure, I mean, with him and we know for sure with Maz Kanata are both force sensitive without being uh, Jedi. Right. Um, or, or really force users, but they're sensitive to the force and can, you know, can access it. You know, Maz is able to kind of read Daisy Ridley's uh, mind, uh, Ray's mind, and communicate stuff to her. Uh, Donnie Yang is, is blind. He's like Daredevil. So he's got some sort of, uh, you know, he can see kind of the structure of the universe through the force without being able to, you know, do, like use a lightsaber or, or move objects, but he can see without being able to see is really cool. So I agree with you. I think they're purposefully setting up a, a, a non-binary, right? It's not a, right. it's not it's like a, good. it's not a mutant power, right? Mutant powers you either have or you don't, and you're born with it or you're not. This is way cooler. Go ahead. And I, I think that that also uses, that also ties into everybody saying, use the force or may the force be with you so that the force is bigger than just Jedi or the Sith. Um, but it, it does, it does complicate that. And I guess, again, it, it, it raises that question like who's really leading the charge here in the empire but i think you've addressed that well and i think i think it's it's gonna be fine and i i'm, I'm actually really all excited for this i mean because i do love these storylines so with rebels a really interesting twist plot, plot twist is that darth maul comes back and darth maul there's some magic way he came back maybe it's the same way that darth plagueis comes back um i don't know i wasn't paying that much attention i guess 
but um, Darth Maul gets influence over Ezra and so starts exposing him to the dark side, which is interesting. And I think that I think in thinking about binaries, which I appreciate you said those words, is that things aren't so binary or can we can we go beyond binary? And I think that I have a I have a friend that I go to a, a brewery, shout out to Alameda Island Brewing Company, and this guy, he likes the Sith. Like he their values resonate with him and it's not you know, killing everybody or being a bad person. No, I, there's a lot of Sith, uh, Sith and and Darth fanboys out there for sure. Yeah, and it's 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 a little bit, you know, it's it's looking, it's almost, and I I hate to make this comparison, and this is the first thing that popped in my head, but it's almost like comparing like a Dr. King nonviolent protest with you know a Malcolm X. Like sometimes you have to use violence, and that's kind of a, an allegory maybe that I would see that it's not so simple to say Jedi versus Sith, like good and evil. It's a little bit more complex than that. Although, to both support but give a counterpoint uh, to what you just said, you could also argue that the Rebel Alliance's feeling that they constantly need to use force is sort of in the Franz Fanon tradition, right? Of like liberation only uh, uh, being, uh, uh, you can only truly happen through violence, not just because you need to use violence, but that the violence itself is what liberates you. It's a very problematic ideology, and he was writing from a particular historical time. But, um, yeah, I, I think there is a lot more uh, going on there with that. Um, so let me ask you, um, or did you finish your point there? I think so. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask some more questions, another qu- couple questions about Rebels, um, which is when they made the Clone Wars, they wanted it to make sense within the continuity, but they didn't know they were, for sure, when they started the Clone Wars, they did not know <laughs> that Lucas was going to sell Lucasfilm to Disney and Disney was going to make more movies. I'm pretty sure by the time they did pre-production on Rebels, and maybe this was the impetus for Rebels, they did know that there was going to be new movies. <clears throat> So I've heard that Clone Wars is canonical, but Rebels is actually more canonical. And, you know, I think, what, C-3PO and R2 are in it, right? I mean, there's, like, a lot of characters who come in and out. Yeah, like Princess Leia's in it. Darth Vader's in it. I think uh, I think Lando's made an appearance. Oh, but speaking of which, uh, the Han Solo uh, solo movie, the Han Solo movie, um, I was not excited about it at first, but I'm getting increasingly excited, especially with the casting of Donald Glover as Lando should be spectacular. He is so hilarious, that guy, and has great, great, great charisma. Um, so with the Rebels, um, d- d- let me put it this way. So let's assume that they knew 100% what was going on with the new trilogy, and maybe they even knew some you know, plot points or whatever, or, or just general themes. When you watch it, do you feel like it's supplementary to what we've seen on the big screen? Does it feel like it's leading up to something, or does it sort of just tell a story that like Rogue One is going to do that happens to fall in between these two major eras, or I guess three major eras now? I think that it's supplementary. I think it makes sense, and I think it. I, I think it actually does a good job of trying to build, like, tie things together, so that it is one universe. And I, I think that I, I'm excited about Rogue One in that way too. That it's still part of the same story. Out of hyperspace. Boom. So just to finish up on on Rebels, um, I know you have like mixed feelings about it, but you've been watching it. So what what's kind of kept you with it, other than just being Star Wars? Maybe that's what's kept you with it. And then what what's sort of the main uh, I- issue, um, other than obviously being somewhat for kids or totally for kids? And so it's you know not gonna be totally mature, I guess. Right? Go ahead. Okay. So overall, I actually like it. Like I'm entertained by it, and I think give it's it a grade, good. one to ten. I would give it a oh okay I was gonna or, give it or a B no plus. or B or yeah you could do letter grade I was gonna give it a B plus oh, okay um, yeah it's B+. it's good I like it um, I, so some of the things I like about it is that there's some interesting storylines there's good characters 
the thing I don't like about it, I mean, it's it's there's it's too long. I mean, we're running out of plot lines, and we're always like stealing supplies and narrowly escaping the empire. And it's like, okay, great. Like, can we be can we be done with that already? Um, but you know, I mean, we have to watch. I mean, the, the story I want to watch is, you know, who is the Grand Admiral? Um, what becomes with Ezra? Like, what happens? You know, when do they start building the Death Star? When when do these things start happening? Who's the Grand Admiral? Um, Grand Admiral Thrawn. It is Thrawn. Yeah. Thrawn comes from the books, and yet those books are not considered canon, but they steal so much from it. Uh, I looked it up. The Timothy Zahn. Yeah. He's good. He's badass. He's blue, right? Yeah, he's blue. He's he's, blue in the books. He's good. He's a great character, and he makes an appearance, and it's, it's strong. So I want more of that. I don't want, you know... I mean, it's building up to the the building of the Rebel Alliance, which is important, and I think it does. Feed, it, it will feed nicely into Rogue One. It just could be a little, little, a little less supply runs, and give me more, uh, give me more force, and give me more. Um, I want lightsabers. I want more lightsaber against lightsaber action. Yeah, <laughs> that well, might be the most homoerotic thing I've ever said in my life. But, uh, <laughs> Don't cross your streams. Yeah. Um, yes. Different movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we we could. I think one thing to come out of this discussion and similar discussions is that oh, I'm going to save this for when we go back to Rogue One and for the final segment is I love the standalone movie concept. In fact, I th- people are like, oh my God, they're going to do episode 10, 11, 12, 13. I don't think so, at least not right away. I could see once episode nine's done that every year or two, they'll do a standalone Star Wars movie from very, like how cool would it be if they want like the time I'm talking about, 3,000 years in the past. Yeah, that would be super cool. I'd be into that. I want to say something about I that I also like about it, and I think something that you're interested in. And there's two directions I want to go. So if the first is that um, there are strong, prominent female characters in Star Wars Rebels, and that's great. I think that's really important. Um, one is a pilot, and she's a badass pilot. She's the same species as folks that were dancing for Jabba the Hutt back in the day um, in, in uh, Return of the Jedi. So she's a badass. And then there's a another character who comes from another she they look human like, like humanoid like, but I guess they're not humans. I don't know who humans are in Star Wars. Anyway, she is like a tech geek bomb like demolition expert. And she's also a really strong character. Well I wanna jump back to the female thing. Um but the only way they're human is if it's a Battlestar Galactica scenario where, like, the humans actually come from deep outer space from an ancient time and that we've been seated, you know, like, at some point, humans from the Star Wars galaxy head to, head to our galaxy and, and are the first humans here. It's interesting to think about. Um, but the women thing, look, there have been, including Rogue One, there will now have been eight Star Wars films, okay? Now... Princess Leia is arguably still the most empowered female character in any sci-fi or fantasy property ever. I mean, she does everything. She's not just a leader and a fighter. You know, she's an inspirational leader. She's a spiritual leader. She's a political leader. She's a military leader. She's also always at the front lines herself. She's an amazing charisma. Um, the only person that doesn't fall, you know, completely uh, under her spell at first is Han Solo, and then that's part of why she falls in love with him, which is great. But 
Um, then you have Natalie Portman, who was one of the most disempowered sci-fi characters ever, was just a complete victim, had zero agency. Um, but now we have Ray um, and uh, Jin Erso, who are back to the Princess Leia model. My complaint's always been, and you, this sort of uh, Rebels seems like solves this partially, is we need side characters and minor characters who are women, not just the leads. I mean, as far as I can tell, there's not a single other important woman. I mean, in all the trailers, other than Mon Mothma and Jin Erso, have we seen any females? It's like not even believable. Especially if the, you know, the leaders of the rebellion are female, then their society, if it's not purely matriarchal, it's clearly not patriarchal, right? So, you know, I mean, we, we got, uh, what's her face from Game of Thrones in, uh, in Force Awakens? We didn't even see her face. Brienne of Tarth, um, what's her name, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, I think that we'll probably see her, you know, actually see her in the next movie, it's like, we finally get a female bad guy in Star Wars, we can't even see her, um, a Dark Lord a Sith a female would be amazing. There's a female Inquisitor in Star Wars Rebels, if not two. Yeah, it's interesting to think whether they try, or they're trying stuff out in, in Rebels, kind of, in a way, you know what I mean, like, kind of, uh, uh, you know, going for a test run, let me ask you this. I want to say one more thing about Star Wars Rebels. One more thing. I, no, I'm not taking us away from Rebels, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to say is that, you know, one of the other questions you posed behind the scenes for um, this podcast was about Star Wars becoming rated R. And I would have a real, 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 real problem with that. And because at, at its core, you know, Stars, Star Wars is something that I have enjoyed since I can remember. Like, my earliest memories, Star Wars was involved. Yep. So I'm talking like three, four years old yeah. watching Star Wars. And yeah, maybe like the Ewoks and like the whole Ewok movie spinoff. Okay, that's that's a bit much. But at its core, Star Wars is a children's movie. It's a children's story. Yeah, but they killed Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. I'm, I'm a big defender of Ewoks, in, in specifically in that movie, not in any of the spinoffs. I'm a big oh, defender I love, of Ewoks. I, I love Ewoks. Yeah. My point is that this is for kids. And when we watch these as adults, like it, it harkens back to being kids and what it felt like to be kids. And so I would have a real problem with a Star Wars movie being like excluding children. Like that just seems wrong to me. And so, yeah, you can take your kids to see an R rated movie, but you know, I don't, I don't think that's appropriate. So that's, that's, that's my take. My point was, is it possible to explore, like for example, the way that Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are able to explore rated R territory on Netflix without having to bring it into the movies. I, I wonder if, if Star Wars would be open to that or whether they're too, um, they're too worried about harming the the brand in that sense, and that's you know. Oh, let me bring this up. We've talked this. I brought this up off mic. You know, you don't have to read these people's minds or anything, but it's interesting that you know in the months leading up to this, both Kathleen Kennedy, um, who's the head of Lucasfilm, who by the way. Kathleen Kennedy has produced like every Steven Spielberg movie ever and a lot of great films going back to the 70s. She's like she's like one of these super producers in Hollywood that again with the females you don't always see. It was awesome and and the reason they appointed her was cuz even though George Lucas gave up control, he really liked and trusted her and so that was I don't know if it was a condition for selling it, but I think he felt more comfortable selling it with Kathleen Kennedy taking over. And so far she's been doing justice, I think we can say. Um, um, and uh, I think it's just going to keep getting better. But Bob Iger, uh, the head of Disney, also said something similar, which is that Rogue One, for a number of 
reasons it's kind of an experiment. It's an experiment because it's it's a standalone. It's an experiment because it takes place, you know, during other or between other movies. It's a standalone because we know what the plot is and we know how it's going to end. Probably it's an experiment because it looks maybe like it's going to be darker, more of a war movie. Um, so my question is, it got a PG thirteen rating, so we know there's not going to be really any sex or or nudity or. Uh, um, or cursing. I mean, that wouldn't really be a Star Wars movie if you had those things. Um, but in terms of violence, is it possible this skirts the line of like of like super PG thirteen or whatever, um, and, and is is violent to the point of scaring away parents because they're going to be openly killing people, which doesn't really happen in the other Star Wars movies unless they're stormtroopers. And would that bother you? I mean, there's explosions and there's. I mean, I would I would hate. That's a really interesting question. I mean, I think that's a broader question about what is rated R and what is PG-13 these days and what is violence in movies anyway. I mean, I think I mean, I think kids are exposed to so much more violence now anyway that the the violence in Star Wars, you know, I guess what what makes it more violent or less less fantasy violence than than other stuff that we see. I mean, I mean people were dying in the other Star Wars. I guess it was mostly stormtroopers, but I mean, Obi-Wan died and Yoda dies and I don't know. I I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, pe- people people die, and um, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm not. It's it's the, the the deaths. I don't know that deaths are what make it rated R. I guess it's like yeah, it's a gratuitous violence. Like, what makes it? What is that line? And yeah, what makes a Star Wars movie rated R? Is it going to be sex and boobs? Like, I don't know. I don't need boobs in Star Wars. I mean, no, no. For me, it's all about the violence. I'm not saying I want it. I'm just, I'm just bringing up the issue of is there, is there a line? Because you're right. Look, the, what was the very first scene of Force Awakens? It was the slaughter of an entire village of you know pro good guys um and the beginning of of torture of i mean we saw kylie ren torturing um poe at least once um and you know so yes we saw it but there's a difference between implying that a bunch of people get massacred uh uh sorry in between uh there being an implication of a massacre and actually seeing it uh but Mm. even more so what if they kill most or all of the good guys including Jin urso because that seems to be the logical conclusion. I'm not. I don't want to speculate on this with you in terms of like let's guess the plot line because I don't care and I don't want to do that. I know you don't. Right. I'm just saying if they do that, is there a gentle way to do that? You know, or do they finally say, "Look, kids, war is really ugly." And and, and the thing is, the best war movies, you know, uh, Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, um, Hurt Locker, you know, it's. It's horrifying violence, but it's really anti-war, as opposed to like American Sniper by Clint Eastwood, which was like a pro-war. Uh, you know, I thought um, military movie, like, but, but the best war movies, uh, genre-wise, uh, actually ha- leave you know leave you hating war afterwards. Um, and so that's what I want to see from Rogue One. I don't want to see violence for violence' sake. I want to see violence so that people understand that. By the way, we still have soldiers in the Middle East getting killed that no one talks about. Right, and I I, I agree with you 100. percent Like the stakes are high; these are people's lives, and I think, I think, I think what maybe this movie does if it kills off characters. I mean, it, we identify with these characters, and we understand why they're doing what they're doing, and you know, it, it and it does connect to other other folks that we care about and that we're involved with. So, um, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me, and I guess as a parent. Yeah, I mean, what what movies bother me more? I mean, I think of, I mean, like those horror movies, like those that would bother me, like sending a child to that. I don't. I think that there's a level of fantasy and disconnect yep. with these movies. But then I think, as a good parent, you can say, hey, but 
you know, we have soldiers doing this here. And yeah, I, I guess, uh, uh, and this comes to the PG 13 thing, you know, that I'm always, I, I, again, I don't know which Bizzlecast you've listened to, but pretty much every Bizzlecast that involves genre movies, uh, Marvel, Star Wars, and otherwise, I complain about the PG 13 because, let's be honest, deserved or not, the original Star Wars trilogy was rated PG. And everything right. since then, including the prequels and the new movies, is PG-13. Now, part of that is just, you know, expectations for what's going to be in the movie are different. Um, you know, what parents can, can... It's much harder for parents to control what their kids see now than 30, 40 years ago, I think it's fair to say. Kids are, kids are smarter than their parents with computers, so they can see whatever they want. Um, but it's like, let me ask you this. Would you take your 8 or 9-year-old to see The Force Awakens? Absolutely, but would you take no your question. eight and what, 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 hold on comparison? Would you take your eight-year-old to see Captain America: The Winter Soldier or Civil War? Yes, you would. So, so there's no level of PG-13 violence that would that would turn you, you know, w- w- wouldn't be appropriate for your kids. I mean, the movie I probably want to take them to see would be Batman: The Second Bat. What was it with the Dark Knight the and Dark Knight Rises? Yep. I mean, the Dark Knight scared me. I mean, the second one scared me. I was legitimately scared of the Joker. And so, you know, I think they also think were the actors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was scary, man. Like he was like legit scary. I can't remember being that scared in a movie in a long time. Like I was legit like, God, I'm uncomfortable. Like, he, and I love that about that. And I think Batman has the potential to be really dark, right? Like that's, that's one of the series that can be really dark. And did I think, you see the monstrosity known as Batman v Superman? I did see it. I, I thought it was horrible. I'm not sure I would take my kid to see that for quality reasons, but probably also for the, I mean, Superman and Batman are like killing people left and right, you know? I mean, you, you would enjoy um, my, bud, my buddy Matt talk about DC stuff because he is a hardcore, like old school Superman, Batman fan where like back in the day, comics where it's all about saving people and, you know, and this new version of and Man of Steel and BVS is like, you know, Superman and Batman having really no care about killing civilians to accomplish their, their, their means and their ends. I mean, Suicide Squad was specifically about this. Um, yeah. What did you think of BVS? I'm not sure we ever talked about it. I mean, yeah, it was not good, but it's entertaining. I mean, it's still like, if it was, if it's on an airplane, like I'd probably watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably better than some of those late Batman movies that came out where it just became like so disgustingly stupid. Like, oh, you mean the just, 90s movies, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like those were really bad too. Yeah. So Oh yeah. I'm, so I think it was better than those. And Suicide Suicide Squad was pretty unwatchable, but might have been better than those too. So Okay, but does BVS for you then fall into the Dark Knight category or in the Marvel category? Oh, no way. What do no, you mean? no, I'm talking about in terms of violence and like appropriateness for kids. Because I have little cousins who saw BVS, and I was a little disturbed by that. Um, I think it falls in line with Captain America. I think I think that these are superhero movies, and so I'm not saying it's good, but I think that there's a level of fantasy with all of it. That I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got to jump in, Adam. This is my this is my real problem: is the dissociation of of bloodiness from violence. You know, is that for whatever reasons. The censors let you will let you kill 
you know, you have movies like The Magnificent Seven, which wasn't particularly good, kind of a fun reimagining of westerns. They kill dozens of people, if not more. No, no drops of blood. Gets a PG-13. Then you have The Accountant, which was an excellent dark adult movie with Ben Affleck as an autistic assassin. And he does kill a decent number of people. I mean, it's less than a dozen, but you do see some of them are very bloody. And... I'm not really sure that bloodless violence is what we need to be showing our kids, if that makes sense. And that's my problem with the PG-13, is that, like, you know, kids get off on the violence like playing a video game, but they're not really being taught anything about violence. Yeah, I mean, I think you're raising a really good question, and I think it's broader than these movies. You know, I think they speak to, at the end of the day, I mean, these movies are so popular. I mean, like, everybody wants to see Star Wars. Like, we get so excited about it. And, you know, I can't imagine, like, denying my kid from seeing Star Wars. Uh, I mean, like, and thinking about it from in terms of violence. I mean, it's just, and, and, and we see it all the time. I mean, this violence is in our in our face all the time, for better or worse. I, I think it would be fun to include your dad on this conversation, just thinking about the psychology of violence and you know how 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 much does it imprint on us, how much does it not? And you know, I think uh, even like a Ghostbusters. I mean, I, I was probably scared of, of Ghostbusters when I was a little kid, and um, you know, I mean, how much do you protect your kid from that stuff? How much do you not? And yeah, I mean, is, is it supposed to teach us something? Like, is it not? Like, are, are there supposed to be morals in these movies? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to speak completely for Papa Bizzle, but he is my dad, and we do have these discussions all the time. I can tell you he definitely agrees with me about needing more rated R movies, but also more PG movies, like movies that are for kids, you know, but that everyone can see. Like, Rebels seems like a, a kind of a PG thing. As, you know what I mean? They sort of got rid of the PG rating. You either have the animated uh, Pixar movies, which are rated G, right, for the most part, and then PG-13, and then we're sort of pushing for more PG and more R, actually. Um, hmm. And, like, for example, I thought Doctor Strange, they should have made less dark and more fanciful and just made it a PG movie, but Marvel's never going to do that. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, was bordering on R. The only reason Captain America, The Winter Soldier, didn't get an R rating is because there was zero blood with all the people they killed. And they were mostly killing bad guys, hmm. so they do slaughter some good guys at the end when they, when they were taking down the helicarriers and stuff. But uh, my dad would also say that... Uh, it's all about the maturity of the kid. It has less to do with the age and more to do with the parents and the maturity. Um, and he also believes in the studies that say that it, kids who watch violent things who go on to be violent is correlational, not causational. A hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. Like it's absolutely about the kid. It's absolutely about the parent. And just because there's a rating on a movie does not mean that it won't have an effect on a child or like be have 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 that type of thing and i, I think that's a hundred percent correct would you be uh, this is a great idea adiz i can't believe it's so obvious for the Bizzlecast. would you be interested in jumping on um down the road with me and papa b and he can oh, talk it would about be, it would be an honor yeah an he honor. would talk about the psychology of violence in movies and television it would be an honor well i'm sure he would be honored too um he 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 watches a ton of violent shows we love the show vikings but vikings like the great war movies as bloody as it is it portrays warfare very realistically and while you do get a buzz from it you also end up feeling disgusted by it and and it's because the characters are disgusted by it and that's what's hard about game of thrones i don't really want to go there is that the lust for violence there's really no uh moral or human consequences for the most part it's just slaughter um and uh so um shit i had a great transition for this 
us, and I just completely lost it. Um, so before we jump back to uh, talking about uh, Rogue One, and we can sort of head towards the finish that way, um, can I just quickly talk about Star Wars canon while we're talking about Rebels? Please. Just for the, the people out there, because I'm always confused about this. So <clears throat> there's a wiki page for this, as if for every everything. So go fund Wikipedia. Go yeah. fund Wikipedia. Yeah, totally. Um, so, for example, the Thrawn trilogy, which I told you about by Timothy Zahn, which by the way, you can probably get for like a handful of bucks online used, is kind of worth reading. I, I read at least the first one or two. It's really well written science fiction, and if you like the character of Thrawn, like that's where it came from. But that's not considered quote unquote canon. And so the question is, if it's not canonical, can you still enjoy it at this point? Um, I would argue you could if it's well written. It's you know, I mean, it was sanctioned by Lucas, but it but Disney is the one who created the new canon. I mean, Disney's the one. So I'm gonna run through a quick timeline here. So so um, so starting in uh, 1977 was the original Star Wars. Okay, so from 1977 to 2008, the only types of media that were considered canonical were the original six films. So you uh, we had the Clone Wars uh, in 08, a quote-unquote film and television series. I believe that was before the acquisition of Disney. And then it's not till 2014 uh, with a book about Darth Maul, actually. I'm sorry, a comic book about Darth Maul was the first piece of new canon. Was a, was a comic about Darth Maul. And then they released a novel called A New Dawn, which I haven't read. I've heard mixed things about. But New Dawn was the first you know, major new work of, of non-young adult fiction, essentially. Um, and, and I think is tied to Rebels. I don't know if Ezra and his people are in it, but it is like that same period, I believe. Um, and then you have a series of novel, novels and comics about Tarkin and Vader and Leia and the Lords of the Sith and Lando had a comic. And uh, this is all 2014, 2015, leading, you know, leading up to uh, last year, leading up to Force Awakens. They released a ton of YA novels. They released the Uprising video game, online video game, which is now defunct. Um, and, uh, you know, and now everything's basically sanctioned. And so now you have either what they sanction and fan fiction. The thing is, man, if you do a search on Amazon for Star Wars uh, books, <laughs> the, the newer ones are definitely not considered among the best from a, a literary standpoint. Like the Thrawn books from the early 90s are still considered the best, even though it's not pure canon. So I ask you, why do people care so much about canon? I mean, I know it's like a near religious experience for people when it comes to Star Wars, and you and I, you know, aren't that far off from that. I think we have a little bit more self-awareness, but, we, you know, there is something like with Ghostbusters from our childhood that affects us very deeply. Um, but it, but then the Force does have some, you know, kind of deep ideas. So is it possible? I think we sort of answered this earlier, so I'm going to try and reframe it. Is it possible that there's too many properties coming out, but by making them canonical, it actually restricts creativity? Because, you know, they literally have people, they, they have canon people, I know this for a fact, at Lucasfilm, who fact check every single page of every book and comic book to make sure that it doesn't contradict with what came before or what came after. I don't know how you feel about all this stuff. Mm. Well, I don't know that I've thought about it a lot, but what I would say is that, so first of all, when the first thing that came to mind when we were talking about canon and what's canon and what's not canon was money. So that's the first thing that popped up in my money, head. Money, 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 money! That's right. So can we make money off this? Are we making off? Are we making money off this? Who's making money off this? 
So that's that's the first thought I had. But the second thought is about <clears throat> it's almost it reminds me of like Marvel and like the comic books and like did this happen? Who said it happened? Like no, that's not what happened. Right. And so if you change the story, that really pisses people off. And mm-hmm. and you know I, I I understand that. Like as someone who loved Jurassic Park, the book, like adored it. I was disappointed by the movie, like very much so. There's like, no, that's not what happened. Or no, that's not what this character is. And so it, it is how much liberty do you have with with intellectual property or how much property do you have with that? How much freedom do you have with the story? Yep. So I think that's where it gets important. And I guess there's one thing to to change a story versus to develop a story. And I guess the difference is, right, like if you know Thrawn is blue, but then you make him green, then I mean, that's why is he green? versus you know we don't know a lot about thrawn so maybe he used to be green but then he became blue and you like you have that story yep. okay if no one ever told that story before then i guess it's it's free it's it's open territory but the very fact that thrawn was so popular that they brought him from non-canon to canon to me just shows that putting the shackles on people um is maybe going to end up stifling creativity. I mean, if you look at the reviews of of books from the last couple of years that are canon, none of them really get four and a half or five stars. Whereas if you look at some of the sort of golden age, early 90s books, and this will be a transition to video and computer games, buddy, um, there was sort of a golden age of creativity with Star Wars in the late 80s, early 90s. And even though I grew up watching the original trilogy and loving you know, the THX VHS copies before they were fucked with by Lucas... What really kept me with it was, you know, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15 and a hardcore PC gamer, I was playing X-Wing and TIE Fighter and all sorts of shit. I know uh, this was something you wanted to talk about. I would love to talk about it. What's been your experience? Because I don't know what games you've played, either past, present. I don't know if you still play games. What's been your experience with uh, Star Wars video computer games? Right. So, I mean, for me, X-Wing and TIE Fighter very much kept me engaged with Star Wars. Um, And I love the games. And I and I think it helped expand the universe for me and be open to like expanding the universe and. I mean, talk about loving the Empire. T- playing, t- I mean, Tie Fighter came later, so it was better in a lot of ways. But it was left off. The graphics were better, but being like a secret agent of the Empire in Tie Fighter was so cool. That, at least that's how absolutely, I remember. absolutely. It was it, it was a great video game. It was a lot of fun to play. The missions were fun. I think I think the gameplay was great. And I think for the story, like you got to, and, but it fit in with the story. Like, I mean, you got to like see Luke every once in a while. Like you got to, you know, be part of, be part of this bigger thing. And that, and that was really great. And it, it didn't feel, it didn't, I guess it, it had a uh, legitimacy. I guess that's, that's what the, the idea of canon brings up for me. As long as it like fits, if it doesn't disrupt what I already believed, what I already knew, if it doesn't contradict, that's really the word is it, if it doesn't contradict anything, then I think it's pretty cool. And I, I like it. Yep. Um, Wait, can I ask you a nerd question? Please. Uh, what was your what, what what computer system did you have during the early no, mid nineties? And and did you play with like a like a flight stick? Oh, I definitely had a joystick. Yes. Uh, oh, I don't have like to. eight or nine buttons on you programmable buttons. Is awesome. Yeah. You had to have a joystick. You, you could not excel at that game if you didn't have a joystick. Um, I don't remember the exact computer I had, but I definitely love those games. And um, I would play I, it in I, two I, seconds I, if they offered it again. Oh, I Jesse, that's the whole I cannot not that's all I want. All I want is a, a like a new version of X-Wing that has great graphics that yeah. I can play. I would I mean I've debated buying and uh, I I told you this offline but I've divided 
I've debated buying a PlayStation 4 yep. to play No Man's Sky, which almost feels like it's as close as I would get, although I've heard really mixed reviews. Do you have a PS3? I do. Me too. So the nerds love ba- Star Wars Battleground, but the reviews are terrible for it. I, I don't know. Do you, have you played it's Battleground? It's a boring game. It's a boring yeah. game. Like it's it's fun for like a second, but like it's not it's not X-wing. Well, that's because I think it's fair to say you and I grew up and loved the single player mission stuff, whereas now it's all about multiplayer. So they don't exactly. even try to do single player stuff, which pisses the shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, if someone, I would spend money, like legit money, on a x-wing game where i could i could just do exactly what i used to do in x-wing like that would be great like and if i got to every once in a while hop out of the x-wing and like use a lightsaber cool that's that's good but i would prefer the flight simulator i would love to get back in that so much fun and the problem is though you need a keyboard and joystick to make it as cool and no one i mean pc gaming uh is just mirroring video gaming at this point i mean yes there are some strategy games like starcraft that are just for the computer which is great, but yeah, the flight and space sim thing, is, and not only TIE Fighter and X-Wing, but Wing Commander 3 and 4, talk about the Star Wars connection, so Wing Commander 3, when it came out in the mid-90s, was like the first major game to have live-action actors, and the lead uh, character was played by Mark Hamill, and it was mm. awesome, it was super dark, it actually felt like ba- the new Battlestar Galactica, it was really dark, everyone had like, like kind of, you know, they were technically the good guys, but you didn't know who to trust, people had a lot of, you you know, uh, dark uh, aspects to themselves. People would turn traitor. Um, and, the, and the flight mechanics of, of Wing Commander were actually uh, more, better and more realistic. They were like the, the Battlestar version, which is how it would be in real life. You know, in Star Wars, they go, pull up, pull up, pull up. You know, you would never really have to pull up in space. You would just have thrusters on all sides that would like change your direction. And so, you know, with Wing Commander, you could like head straight towards a capital ship that you're attacking and then at the last minute pull to the side and then hit your side thrusters and turn 90 degrees on a dime and be shooting at the capital ship while going side ways um sweet right where lucas was specifically trying to imitate world war ii uh, dogfighter combat in uh the movies and they kept that in the games and i absolutely believe they should and i think those games were slightly better than wing commander overall just because of like you kept getting missions within missions within missions like while you were out there i don't know how much you remember it you know yeah yeah, absolutely but you wouldn't necessarily lose if you didn't accept those missions but you wouldn't necessarily get all the cool stuff if you didn't do them so yeah tie fighter x-wing and the later wing commander games were really excellent i wish those genres were still around and we were just lucky to be around too yeah those were great games and i i upon your suggestion i did get a battlefront it's okay i mean it's still not what i want and i don't know why someone won't make the game i want i just want x-wing even if they like made x-wing for playstation and it actually looked cool like i would think it'd be great totally um i would say if you haven't played the mass effect games uh those are probably the best sci-fi single-player campaigns ever i mean okay you know now it's like with shooters like call of duty if they have like a 10 to 12 hour long campaign, that's considered like a huge thing. When we grow up, it was like 30, 40, 50 plus hours. It yeah, was expected. I was surprised. I got a Call of Duty game the other day. And like, it's, I mean, I put it on easy mode because I suck at these games and I have no problem with that. But it was like over. I was like, what? That's it? I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. I, I never beat X-Wing. Like, there's no way. There was like six discs and it was like long and I got like maybe a little bit through, but it was hard. Like, it was a hard game and like there were missions I could never beat. And totally. Like, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, with Mass Effect, not only is it story-driven, but um, 
you're talking 30 to 40 hours per game if you choose to do all the missions, which you absolutely should. Mass Effect 2 in particular is probably one of the best games ever um, ever made. Okay. Um, okay. And, and it, since you have a PS3, I'll just send it to you, man. Honestly, I've already played through it twice. I don't need to play through okay. it again. And what's cool I'll with two it. and three is that you can export your character between two and three. It's a continuous storyline and keep building on it. So I'll just send you both. Uh, one a recommendation: they made both uh, Mass Effect two and three all the way through with a female voice and a male voice. Do the female character. She is an excellent voice actress. The, the male actor is not nearly as good. So is she hot? Um, you get to design what she looks like. Uh, yeah. You know, she's oh, tough. Rude. She's no, that's tough. an interesting. Uh, we can they can segue into yeah. talking about female characters. About how would I design a female character? A I female- usually don't fuck with the looks too much when it comes to video games, just because I don't care. Um, but uh, you know, you can well, switch your uniforms. Does it matter? Does it matter? No, it makes zero difference. Um, but, but but she's a great voice actress. Like the the you know I think uh, Seth Green plays Joker, who's the pilot, who's like a like a, a smart ass. Um, Trisha Helfer from Battlestar and other things plays the AI voice. Is great, um, just great voice talent and an excellent story. Um, I think really the best sci-fi. Uh, like universe that's not called Star Wars or Star Trek in terms of how deep it is and all the aliens and the politics and the history. I mean, they, I'd never go through them, but they've got these en- uh, encyclopedias included, you know, that goes back like hundreds and thousands of years of history and stuff like that. Um, is cool, but it still moves quickly. So there are those games out there. It's just a matter of like, you know, does it have to be Star Wars? Like these days, I mean, even when we were growing up, the fact that the, the the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games are so good, it was unusual for branded properties to be among the best, right? Because it used to be, like now, a money grab. Yeah. Like you would use the Star Trek name or the Star Wars name because it was a money grab. Like, let's put it this way. The Lord of the Rings video games in the last 15 years have been, none of them have been good from what I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, I mean, that seemed to be the direction that Lucas went. You know, yep. before the prequels, they. It se- I mean, I don't know the financials, but it seems like they invested a lot of energy and time into video games. I mean, those were good games, and they, I think he also had the Roger Wilco games. Is that correct? Yes. And that's a great game. I loved Roger Wilco. Like that was a really fun game, and I think it was a. It was. Oh no! Was no! 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 The Wilco games no? were um, Sierra Online. Okay. I, I think. Okay. Right, wasn't it? I, they did King King's Quest and those games. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't remember. But there was also like Monkey Island. I think was a Lucas game. Monkey Island was, and there was um, one where you played a motorcycle rider in the in the in like an apocalyptic future that was like Sons of Anarchy, but like twenty years ago. Um, I think they they took it seriously. Full throttle. That, that was, was awesome. People, people were playing video games on the computers, and Lucas. I think that's where they put a lot of their time and energy, and those games were good. And that's another genre that doesn't exist anymore: the adventure game where you go around picking up objects and talking to people and making decisions and there's not a whole lot of like actual action you know they were thinking games they could be really mm-hmm. frustrating but when you solved it you know yeah, every, everything that was the wilco yeah. game yeah that was fun i mean mist was like that too you know yeah, i mean Mist was great that was a great game yeah some people hate that stuff though you know i, I miss i miss those days um so yeah i, I hopefully star wars will will, will uh We'll leap forward a little bit when it comes to video uh, video game stuff. I'm just kind of sick of video games. I don't know how you feel. Like, it just when you have a console and that particular controller, which they never update, it's just like the genres are so limited. It's like a shooter or an RPG or an RPG shooter, right? I mean, there's only so much you can do with it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's where I was excited about No Man's Sky. I'm like, wow, that sounds like an incredible video game. Like, And I'm really glad I didn't get it for a number of reasons. Most of which being like, I don't want to spend that much time doing it because it's not a good thing to spend my time doing. Although like, I, I like playing a video game for a break. I mean, I do have a serious job, and so it's nice to get a release on that. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how much you care about this, but with 2,000 reviews on Amazon, No Man's Sky has like two and a half stars, which is horrible. Yeah. Which and that's the other reason. Like I've heard, it's actually not that good, and um, it's. I think the idea was incredible. Um, it just sounds like execution-wise, it just didn't quite pull it off. Have you played The Last of Us? No. Okay. Have you pl- that played the Uncharted games? Nope. Oh man, I'm gonna send you a whole package. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> One or two is fine. I don't need more video games. All right, I'll send you. I'll send you. Uh, I'll, I'll send you Mass few. Effect. I'll send you. I'll take a few. Yeah, that sounds. That I'll sounds I'll send you Mass Effect two, and if you want more, by the time you're done, I'll send you Mass Effect three. Yeah, send me send me two of those. Those sound up my alley. Okay, so this will be a good bridge question. Then we'll do final thoughts because you have to go soon. Which is, you know, do you remember when virtual reality was like it was imminent when we were kids and has still never happened? Yes. So. And and you know how like video games merging with movies was imminent when we were kids and still has never happened. Can you be more specific? Well, my, my you know, the notion is movies haven't really changed since we were kids. Okay. Like you know, like Star Wars: The Force Awakens is structurally not in terms of what goes on in the movie, but in terms of what it is and how it's consumed. Right. Is the, right. exactly the same as when we were kids. And video games like consoles how those consumed is exactly the same when we were kids controllers right. just have more buttons but the games are not any more interesting that's why true fans will say like the original final fantasy games are the best and like you can actually play some of the best games ever made on like a uh, game boy ds um with ported versions like you know like the zelda games for example like mm-hmm. like oh, hardcore gamers will say will never be topped which is, you know, meaning new graphics and better sound and so forth does not guarantee a great game. And right. so uh, I ask you, wh- 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 why haven't me- why hasn't media merged more? Um, now, now, the reason I brought up The Last of Us is that, like the better Final Fantasy games, the story is as or more important than the actual gameplay. Um, well, you raise a lot of interesting questions. Yeah, here, you can go, go anyway with that. Yeah, I mean. So the, so one of the things I was thinking about when we were talking about X-Wing, and for whatever reason, I just had this vision of like sitting in the movie, and what if I had a joystick and I got to shoot around like while I'm watching the movie? And imagine that, and or like even if I could just do that, that'd be fun. But what if like it actually changed the effect of like um, the movie? That would be kind of a fun like choose-your-own-adventure movie like on that platform and and doing that. Or like, let's say I had to watch, like there, I could choose where I sat and I had to play a role in the movie or something. That'd be kind of fun. I don't know how you execute that, but that's, well, I think even making uh, multiplayer games have a huge story where you're working with friends or dozens of other people. I mean, destiny was supposed to be that, but failed miserably. That game's horrible. Um, and you know, like, I mean, world of Warcraft has come the closest. Right, and, I guess so, right. And people yeah. invest years of their lives in World of Warcraft, which you can criticize or not, but um and I, again, I I know tons about Warcraft because I grew up playing Warcraft. I was a, you probably did too, the strategy version. Um oh, I didn't, but that's okay. Oh, it's great. Yeah, StarCraft's the best, but Warcraft's great. But um 
Actually, side note, uh, I actually the, the Warcraft movie got panned. I, I actually quite liked it. I, I thought it was very underrated. Um, if you're into just straight up fantasy, but uh, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, World of Warcraft. You know, they would build guilds and people spend a lot of time together online and they go on missions together. I still don't think it was as immersive as like the best single player campaigns that we're used to. Um, but I, I'm just surprised that you know people care so little about stories, and it's so sad. Like my little cousins, while they're very smart from an aptitude standpoint, they don't read, and when they play video games, they just play like multiplayer shooters all the time. Yeah, sure. And like I grew up playing single player campaigns and reading books constantly. And Absolutely. so I, 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 this is, by the way, <clears throat> every year for the last like five plus years, I know it doesn't seem like it because you see these box office totals for the Avengers and stuff and they seem so high. They actually made less um, money in movies this year. We'll see how Rogue One does. But even if it makes a billion dollars, they made less money this year than the year before and the year before that and the year before that. And not only that, that man, wide release movies have decreased in terms of numbers every single year. People yeah. are staying at home and watching on demand in Netflix and Amazon. And as a Absolutely. movie guy, as a movie person and not a big TV person, I find this really disturbing. And it's, it's making me sad. This is the rated art thing again. I want adult movies that speak to me. I don't need a $200 million budget. The accountant had like a $40 million budget, seemed like three times that, with great acting and great scripting, you know, and, and action or whatever. I saw um, a movie called The Edge of 17 a week or two ago with a brilliant young actress named Haley Steinfeld who was nominated for uh, Oscar when she was like 12 for True Grit, the Western with Jeff Bridges. It's, it's, it's a rated R uh, coming-of-age story with Woody Harrelson. It's hilarious. Um, I don't know if you saw Hunt for the Wilder People. That's easily my number one movie of the year. I, I'm putting memes of that online all the time. I'm sure you've seen it. The chubby New Zealander kid. Hunt for the Wilder People, best movie of the year. Hell or High Water, a modern western with Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, and, and Ben Foster. You know, I, and I talk to people, and it's like they either don't have time for it, or so they say, or the only movies they see are the big budget ones, and then they get their like serious dramas on television. But I want the series dramas on the big screen. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I, I understand it. I mean, I think I think there is a wave of that's missing out because there are alternatives. But I guess for me, I like stories, and I think a video game is a really good platform for it. I mean, it's and it, it's it, it's gone that direction. I mean, you know, there are these voice actors. I mean, there's like celebrities. I mean, I just played uh, Call of Duty, and Kevin Spacey's in the fucking game. You know, I mean, it's Kevin Spacey. Oh uh, yeah. Um- uh, black uh, Black Ops or no Modern Warfare? Modern War- uh, no, yeah, uh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm trying to remember which ones are called. It yeah, is Modern Warfare. Yeah, no, it's not Modern Warfare. It's something Warfare. Yeah, I know. Tr- Advanced Infinite- Warfare. Advanced Warfare. Yeah, yeah. That's another game, by the way, with the, with, with the the Modern Warfare trilogy, which came out mid 2000s, is a really immersive story. And ever since then, it's been more about upgrading weapons and stuff than it is about like actual plot. Um, Right, so the story is what matters to me, and I, I, I actually got this. Um, so I think with video games and movies, I mean, I, I, I hear you, and I don't disagree with you, but I think you know it's the same with sports too, right? People are going to sports less. Like you can watch on your TV and get a great, great view. No, I said that, that I'm okay with less right, sports. But I mean, it's. Yeah. But I think it's all part of the same thing. It's like I mean, you can watch, you can watch these things at home from the convenience of your own home, and I mean. I think with video games, like if you get to like control it, if you get to do it, but it's this great story and you get to choose. I mean, I downloaded it. I just remember, you know, going to opening nights like Marvel movies and Star Wars movies. Is there something special to it? I don't think that I, I agree with you, but I also got this um, 
but it's, I think it's, we, it's, there's a different media of how people like to be entertained. And I, I got this Batman game. It's a, the telltale series and it's kind of a choose your own adventure to some extent. And the action's really limited. I mean, which at times is annoying, but it's also good because I'm not really good at like all the, like if I had to do all these complicated moves, like I'm not going to do well in the game. Oh yeah. The younger generation is much better than us at that stuff. Absolutely. Like I suck. That's why like, like metal gear, like I'm terrible at that game. Like it's too hard for me. Like I, I always tell people not to be embarrassed to put it on the easy setting. Cause it's better to play through the game and have fun, you know? That's what I do now. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm putting it on easy because I know I'm not going to be able to press like all these buttons. Like, you know, I'm going to get shot all the time. Like, I just, you know, like I kind of want to, you know, it's okay if I die. Like, I'm okay with that. But I also want to see the story. Like, I want to yeah. advance. So, um, so you, you got to run in a couple minutes. So I, can, I, can I do a rapid fire here and then we'll close out? Sir. Okay. I'm, we we going to get a little Adam Dietz stuff. All right. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Don't think too hard about this because we don't have time. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite album that came out recently or this year? Ooh, good question. Um, I really like John Legend's album, actually. I just listened to it recently, and I thought it was very good. I was very impressed by it. What's it called? I have no idea. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> it fairly recent. Last, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the year, but I was impressed by it. It's something I listened to recently, and I liked it. And okay. I really liked A Tribe Called Quest's new album. I thought that was yes. very good, too. I've heard great things. Just speaking yes. of Tribe Called Quest, did you watch Luke Cage, and did you like it? Because I, I didn't either. I finished Luke Cage. I think it was mediocre. I think it was better than Daredevil, the second series of De- Daredevil, maybe. Well, that's not difficult. Yeah, Daredevil, the second season of Daredevil was terrible. So Luke Cage was better than that. But You know where I stand on this issue. Jessica Jones is better than any of these shows by like Agreed. a mile. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think I've established my record pretty strongly about not just being a feminist, but also being an equal opportunist and wanting to see more black characters. You know how I've been predicting and geeking about Black Panther already for like two years um, and can't wait for that. And I was really pumped for Luke Cage and had nothing to do with really the actors or, or, or the setting. I just didn't love the writing. Um, the writing was terrible, but it, yeah. it got a little bit better. That's but the first episode me. was some of the worst writing I've ever seen. It and was I really felt, bad, yeah. I felt really disappointed for Luke Cage. I felt really disappointed for exactly kind of what you were just saying. Like, okay, now we have black actors. We have black characters. And like, it, it, almost, felt, it almost felt like, did we not invest in the writing? Because wow, what a, what a shame. Where like Daredevil, the first the first season, that was great. Or not the first season, like the first few episodes of Daredevil were exceptional. Like the writing was great. And yeah, yeah the writing was just pitiful for the first episode. Like really bad. I mean, I, I'm not going to put Luke Cage below Daredevil season two because I haven't watched all of Luke Cage and I have watched Daredevil season two. So if I have to rank them, I'd have JJ way at the top and then a big jump off until Dare, Dare, Daredevil season one, which I liked and didn't love. And then another big jump to Daredevil season two. Jury's out on Luke Cage. I want to keep moving, buddy. Uh, oh, you said John Legend. What album have you been listening to the most? And it doesn't have to be one that's come out recently. What's like your go-to these days, last few I've weeks? I've been listening to a lot of Towns Van Zandt recently. Oh, that's nice. Been, that's been my kind of go-to listen to. Hopefully. Excellent answer. A hipster, but I, not too hipster answer. Very well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> He's hipster. I, yeah. I, he, he is, man, is that guy a great songwriter. Good guy. Favorite uh, TV show in any format? Uh, and you can give one or two if you want. Um, in the last, I don't know, three to six months, Stranger Things I thought was excellent. I, I was really going to ask you about Stranger Things. That's my I next. Had a lot of yeah, fun with that. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, any anything else? 
Well, I mean, the other thing I've always wanted to say in, in that we haven't really talked about is I'm just blown away by Promethea and this graphic uh, novel. I think it's exceptional. And for a fan of fiction, like it's just continue like Alan Moore's use of graphic novel for fiction just blows everything else out of the water. And, um, it's just the perfect media. And I, if I, is it a single graphic novel? No, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, a series. series. Okay. It's, um, there's, I think there's like five books okay. in it. And if I taught an English course in college, I would teach Alan Moore. Like I would, inc- if I taught like fiction, I would include, I guess like contemporary fiction, I would include Alan Moore. Like, I mean, it's great. It's exceptional writing. It's just, it's so meta and it's so good. Like, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So there, I, and I brought that up with my, my buddy, Matt, as you know, because you've been talking yeah, about Promethea. Um, I think we'll, we'll have to have you back to do a graphic novel podcast. Maybe me, you and Matt uh, down the road a couple months when all this shit is over and we have more time, we can do a, uh, a comic book podcast together. Um, uh, I want to talk about because old man Logan leading up to Logan. Actually, that would yeah. be interesting to do an adult, you know, like adult graphic novels both mainline so you know we'd have alan moore we'd have you know neil gaiman sandman we'd have some of the 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 current image comics people who write very very cool adult comic books so all right man i'm gonna let you go so really quickly i'm gonna hit you with like two three quick questions about rogue one and i I will answer them as well so that you're not the only one on the record and then we'll we'll let you go for now all right sounds good all right so do you think uh, from one to ten, one being the least, ten being the most. How much Darth Vader do you think we're actually going to get in terms of both screen time and actual importance? Four. Yeah, I'm at a five. I think I'm at a five. They they can't. The problem is if there's too much Darth Vader, it'll overshadow overshadow the whole movie, right? Yeah, and I think that's appropriate. Like you can yeah. have some of him, but not not. I don't want to see Darth Vader. I mean, I I always do, but I don't. I mean, I let's move on. So, do you think that Jin Erso will end up being as as beloved by both girls and everybody else as a character as Ray has become? No. Do you have a reason for that, or? Well, I mean, it's just a, a she might die, and then B. Oh, she's dying. I think. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, so she can't. Yeah. And I mean, maybe she will, but I mean, she also doesn't get a lightsaber. I mean, she's not going to be using a lightsaber. And I, let's let's face it, wielding a light. There it is again. Wield. Like, like a lightsaber, like it's all about the fucking lightsaber, man. I mean, come on. Although F- Princess Leia has ridiculous force powers and has never used them. It is. I, yeah, I mean, my two... Um, okay, well, actually, let's jump to, and we'll end with this question. What would you like to see in episode eight? I'll go first. I would like to see more Luke Leia stuff. And by more, I mean any whatsoever. Because since they learned that they were brother and sister... They had that wonderful scene in the middle of Return of the Jedi in the treetops with the Ewoks where he tells her and goes off to give himself up. And Han Solo tries to comfort her and gets jealous. Then at the end of Return of the Jedi, they hug during the celebration. Don't exchange any words. And then Luke disappears. And, you know, I have to assume they're going to see each other. You know, I have a younger sister. I love brother-sister stuff, especially when it's twins. I've got twin nephews right now. I would love to see more Luke Leia stuff. What, what, what would you really like to see in, in Episode Eight and, and, and the uh, anthology movies going forward? Well, I, I would echo that. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to know what the fuck happened and, you know, why, you know, what happened with the kids and what – and I want to know who Ray is. Um, is she Obi-Wan's offspring? Oh, wait, I can stop you really quickly and keep you this train of thought. 
and I meant to point this out earlier, which is that you and I and Gabriel made a lot of correct predictions, actually, um, in our podcast, if you were to go back. Cool. Um, the, the one prediction that we weren't sure about then and remain unsure about is, is, uh, is Ray. It seems like she has to be related to Solo or Skywalker somehow. It, it's, so they're not a Kenobi. Or or Kenobi, yeah, which we actually tease. I believe we tease that in the podcast. I don't know where we got that idea. Or, or but but now, but now you throw in the Star Wars Rebels world, and like it could be Ezra's or Kanan, or you know, it could be it could be somebody else. I think it, even if they have to retcon that there was a secret affair between Obi Wan and Padme, would be great. That, that would automatically hot. make episode hot. three better. Yeah. Oh, that would be so hot. By the way, I continue to hear rumors that they want to do an Obi-Wan movie with Ewan McGregor that takes place between episode three and episode four, which I would love. Yeah, we need more about Obi-Wan. I mean, that's fair. And I think we'll end on this, which is, so leading up to the uh, um, uh, Force Awakens last year, I did commentaries for all six uh, movies that had been released at that point. The only one I released was The Phantom Menace, just because no one's released <laughs> that movie, and because it, it was fun talking about um, how you know excited and then disappointed I was during that movie, um, and, and just Star Wars culture in general, um, where like the originals, it's like, what can you even say in a commentary? Like I'm someone who can talk forever, as you know, but when it comes to the original Star Wars movies, there's not much to be said, but I will say, when I rewatched Revenge of the Sith and did commentary, I kind of liked it. And maybe yeah. it was just because I had watched The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones pretty recently before that and hated them. But, I mean, the worst part of Revenge of the Sith continues to be Hayden Christensen, but even he gets way better between two and three. Absolutely. Revenge of the Sith is like a decent movie. Like, it really is. I have no is. problems with Revenge of the Sith. I have no problems with it at all. The, the lack of agency for Natalie Portman is the biggest problem, but... If she were to yeah, have had I mean, a side thing with Obi-Wan, that would make it way more interesting. Yeah, I mean, why was she being a little boy to begin with? I mean, it's all weird, but, you know, that's fine. Um, I'm also excited for the new ones. I want to know, like, who is this big bad guy, dude? Like, where did he come from? And and I, I, I'm just very confused by all that, so I'm curious. I want to I know more about that. Oh, Snoke. Yeah, do you think he's Darth yeah. Plagueis? I mean, yeah. I do. I do. But he better be, because otherwise I'd be very confused. Okay, but if he's Darth Plagueis, that would mean he was alive in the background the whole time, letting all this happen, and that he was more powerful than the Emperor? Or is it possible the Emperor was actually serving Plagueis, and there was a facade that the Emperor was the, the Lord, and that he was actually the apprentice who had an apprentice? That would be really cool. And, or, I mean, the world's more complicated, right? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe, like... Grand Admiral Gr- Thorne, like he would, do- they don't like the Emperor. Like, they think he's an idiot and they want him dead. And like, you know, there might be different plots and different people want power. And I'll, I'll give it to Lucas. I think the most underrated part of Revenge of the Sith, and I don't think a lot of people picked up on this, mostly because people just don't want to rewatch it and gave up on it and don't want to think about it. But when uh, Palpatine is kind of finishing his seduction of Anakin. In that in that pretty memorable scene where there's like a Cirque du Soleil thing going on in the council and Anakin's there and that's when Palpatine tells him the whole story about Darth Plagueis discovering the cure for death and Anakin's having visions of, of Natalie Portman dying and complete, I mean, and what happens is he ends up killing Padme, you know, based on a twisted interpretation, like he ends up killing her 
like he's having visions of her dying. He wants to use the dark Sith power to save her. And then he ends up almost killing her himself in confusion about it. The whole thing was a lie, right? By Palpatine. It was a complete manipulation, you know, that that was even possible because it was his inability to save her that drove him into such a rage. I thought really didn't get enough attention, you know, for all the manipulations of, of Palpatine, that that was sort of the final manipulation of, of, of Anakin. Uh, I would like to see more of that kind of stuff in the new movie yeah. where it's not just mustache twirling, you know, where there are layers of, 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 uh, of things going on. Yes, I agree. Awesome. Adam Dietz, you're the man. Good job, um, Red Leader. And I just want to tell the fans that Adam and I did a really great podcast together many months ago where he interviewed me and I couldn't release it because the sound is so bad and that's my fault. I, I didn't really realize it at the time until I listened to it. Um, the sound's way off. It doesn't sync completely. It was just a mess. And I want to publicly apologize to Adam. Uh, but I'd also would like to propose to you that now that you have a, a much sicker sound setup, and we've done this a few times, maybe re-exploring that in the future, because the Bizzle okay. 373 Bizzlecast has still not been interviewed, and okay, uh, I would enjoy that send experience. It, send it to me, and I'll, I'll, I'd like to hear it, and then let's do it. Okay, we will do. Okay. All right, thanks, buddy. Thanks for the Bizzlecast listeners. Anything else you want to say to the, uh, the Bizzlecasters? May the force be with you. Yes, and the Schwartz, because we're Jewish after all. Uh, all right bizzlecasters go see a star wars rogue one you will definitely be hearing um probably numerous responses to it and we are out